Welcome back to the Unicorn's Couch for episode two. I want to take a few minutes. Um, this is Oren speaking, but I want to take a few minutes to give a couple shout outs. Um, our first podcaster was actually from France. So shout out to France and our family in Barbados that have jumped on. And special shout out goes to John of Cook Lodge number 10. They posted um, our site. Um, for Masons to join, and my brothers of Kappa Alpha Psi fraternity for their interest and support and love. Um, any shout outs from you guys before I go into some of the feedback or one of the feedback in particular? Uh, this is Rob. Uh, welcome back, everyone. Um, no, I, I don't have any shout outs as of late. Uh, they get some support from the family, though. Uh, so I'm looking forward to broadening our viewership or listenership. Excellent. And and likewise, this is Jeremy, just looking forward to keep building and keep growing. So thank you to everybody that's that's tuned in and that's already uh, lent their voice and, and encouragement and support. So, so thank you. So I want to jump right into it before we get into the next episode. Um, shout out to El Boogie in Texas um, that raised an important issue about something I said. I want to give everybody a few seconds to comment on it. The statement that I made was in reference to um, protest, and I think the quote I said was that we had to um, pick the place that was most comfortable for us. And what she what what she represented in Texas was she said, "Well, maybe that's not the best position. Maybe we should be uncomfortable." And what I wanted to say is that the context of the statement was related to the discomfort that some of the people are already feeling around where they should be. And, you know, I don't know, comfort is a relative term because when we're talking about protesting rights of humanity and things like that, I'm not sure that we're, every, we're really comfortable in any place where we have to argue for things that are entitlements that should be part of our existence. And I wanted to give you guys each a couple seconds if, or if you wanted to address that. Um, thanks, Jay. Um, I, I kind of can understand her point, um, but I feel like there is a level of comfort uh, that you must have within yourself uh, if you're really going to be deciding to get out and protest, um, that you're going to put yourself in an uncomfortable position in the first place. I mean, I don't think anyone feels like they want to go out and walk and shouting and protest about things, as you said, on we should have anyway. Um, but there should be a comfortability within yourself to know that, okay, this is something that I believe in. It's my morals. It's my values. Um, and I, I have to go out and do something about this. So, um, I mean, that's how I feel about it. Thank you. Yeah. And, and one thing I'd like to add is that we're just so many of us are living in uncomfortable moments and uncomfortable times that um, that I, I think that we have this false sense of certainty or this fall. We, we grasp for comfort sometimes. Um, and so my, my definition is or my di distinction is in order to do what's uncomfortable, we have to have a sense of, of self and a sense of safety as well. Right. And, and whether that is psychological safety, emotional safety, physical safety, um, not everybody is going to be out in the streets protesting. 
not everybody can be out in the streets protesting because when it comes to dismantling this system or building up something um, in place of this system, we need people in all lanes, right? And so just know what lane your your skill set and know what lane your spirit and 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 your your drive fit you in and just be true to yourself. So Thank you. Thank you. An excellent question. Um, representing Texas well. Shout out to Katie. Um, and so um, we're going to go into episode two. I'm getting ready to turn it over to our host today. Um, the subject of our title for episode two is spirituality in a material centered society and how attending to spiritual needs can help us remain and regain balance. So I'll turn, turn it over to uh, Jeremy to go ahead and host this show. And I hope you all enjoy. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, once again, man, just want to give thanks to one and all that's listening to tuning in and um, the opportunity to sit and build with these two brilliant brothers, man, is is, is, is a joy for me. So I'm, I'm very thankful. And once again, just to, to, to do a little bit of plug, thank you for tuning in on all of the platforms. We're now available on Apple, Spotify, Simplecast, Dogcatcher, Stitcher, Stage fright, um, and you can always write into us at unicornscouch at gmail.com. We are always looking forward to your feedback, your 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 questions, your comments, your criticisms, and um, iron sharpens iron. So go ahead and and give us what you got on on the email. So we're without any, um, we're also on TuneIn as well. So in case ah. you got that one too. Ah, see, the list is growing. So thank you, bro. So um, without any further ado, maybe we can just jump right into it and and just wanted to um, center our focus and our attention a little bit tonight on on just spirituality and what role, if any, I don't want to be presumptive, but spirituality and what role, if any, does it um, serve in, in, in the helping profession when we're working with men, when we're working with with folks that are coming for help. Um, and so please jump right in and and. One one definition, at least a starting point for me, is that um, we can understand that that spirituality may be um, seen as a way of connecting with something that is sacred or divine. Right. And so without turning this into a, a religion versus religion or belief versus belief conversation, if we just look at how we connect with something that is sacred and divine. And so, brothers, please come right on in. In, in terms of your work with with folks, how do you engage the conversation about spirituality in, in, in your work? Um, th- th- this comes up a lot um, for new clinicians, older clinicians um, around this concept of re- religiosity, spirituality, mental health. And it's a delicate balance. It's not a, it's not a one answer for this process that I think is super important for us to, to acknowledge in this process. And so some of the things that I think is important um, is helping clients to get centered around their definition itself. Because one of the things in my experience that I've seen is that, you know, there is a definite connection, as you talked about, that clients have to spirituality and their life. And one of the more popular questions I used to ask my students in the class is if, if you have a client that, that, you're working with and you're trying to help them get to a better place. And they say, well, you know, God got me. Allah got me. Jah got me, you know, and they're, and, and they're not willing to do any additional work to that, but just pray on their spirituality. 
it may feel a certain way as a clinician, but the goal is actually to optimize their relationship and their connection, despite whatever judgment we may have about the effectiveness of that process. And I know that's hard. That's very hard. It's hard for me um, because you want to see people in better places and and depending on what what's going on with them that diagnostically you have to really be mindful of it. Um, one of my when I was an intern in Washington, D.C., um, I remember walking down the street with a client and she was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. And, you know, you have difficulty separating fantasy from reality. And she just bust out laughing on the street. And I turn around and I asked her what was so funny when we're walking. And one, let me tell you, I had to be grounded first, right? Because I was a little embarrassed because we're in the middle of a major intersection and she's busting out laughing, right? And, and nobody said anything. And so, you know, I always have to be aware of where I am and where I'm connecting. The other piece of it was that um, she said the devil told her a joke. Now, medically, can... Can it be possible? Like, I'm not in her head. I, I, You know, I don't know, you know, what her sense of reality is in that moment. But one of the things that I that that my when I talked to my supervisor about it, they talked about the behavior that that coincided with that. And so what I want to say to this process is that it's it's a very difficult lane to navigate. But I would say specifically, it's important to be grounded in what you believe and what you understand about your connection so that you can be in a position to help somebody with theirs. But the goal around spiritual connection and spirituality for people, as I see it, is to help them maximize their understanding and their belief around it. And so that's an important important aspect of it Um, because there's been times where I've sat with people and didn't necessarily agree, but it's not for me to agree or disagree. And so so that's an that's an important piece of this spiritual and then religion. Religion is is, is a ruling guide for most people. And so when you start uh, challenging their ruling guide, you 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 got to be careful because if you don't have anything to help them replace it, then mm. what you're going to leave them with is confusion, anger, um, frustration, sometimes disappointment. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So we have to be really really attentive to people's needs when it comes to where they connect where they're with their higher being or um, their spiritual self. And I'll just say this, one of some of the most spiritual clients that I have were agnostic. Mm. Picture that, right. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is that they had a connection to a, a set of rules and values that extended beyond who they identified or didn't identify with. Now, that challenges the definition in some places because I looked up several definitions of it. But I would say that we as the clinician have to be open to it. Mm. How about um, you, Rob? You know, it's, it's interesting for me uh, dealing in the field that I deal in with the clients. Um, we don't normally talk about this until it is uh, an issue where uh, they're trying to get around doing some things, uh, specifically um, my young man who turned to Islam. Um, once they go into these facilities, um, believing again that it's a rite of passage um, mm. and, not, and not really understanding the connection. Um, I often challenge them when I ask them, do they know who Abraham is? Um, and you know, can they trace you know, things back? Because I want them to get to thinking about 
uh, some of these ruling factors that they're trying to um, attach themselves to. Um, and I want them to understand that they have the power to do right and wrong, uh, regardless of who they call God. Um, and so, uh, like Owen said, I don't necessarily come to a conversation when I'm meeting with them uh, about their religion, uh, unless, of course, I'm asked. And even then, uh, it is not in a judgmental way. Um, you know, I don't compare Christianity to Islam or any other um, belief system or non-belief system at this particular point, um, especially with dealing with them in terms of right and wrong. Um, I kind of flow with it uh, because, again, I don't have anything to replace if I come in challenging. Uh, and also in building a rapport, uh, you know, mm. you don't want to yep. come in uh, because you come off judgmental. You come off challenging, you know, that, especially for people of our color, um, we're very quick to dismiss people if they don't believe or do something that we do. Um, and it's a very bad character trait that we have uh, as a people. But as soon as you don't walk the way that I walk, then I don't like you. Um, so and, uh, when we're talking about any type of belief system, that is the beginning of the end of a rapport building relationship if you bring that in. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, to, to tie it all up, Jeremy, I, again, try to stay away from it. I have had some conversations with some kids about it. Um, but again, I want them to get to thinking about what it is that they're, they're doing um, and not blindly following. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I tell you, for, 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 for our practice, um, I address it or at least I, I leave the door open upon the very first meeting that I have with clients. And I'll ask them, are there any spiritual beliefs or practices that you have that you want to involve into your treatment? Right. Mm -hmm. Because um, open to the idea, but then also to, 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 to the reality, as, as I understand it, that spirituality can have so much protective factor, so mm -hmm. much incredible, rich wealth of, of resource for individuals. Um, but I, I've noticed two really big trends over the past couple of years, and it's really been kind of polarizing, which I think is consistent with much of our society today, is that a lot of folks may come in and they don't even have any spiritual beliefs or practices, right? I'll ask, are, are, are you spiritual? No, no, not at all. I don't believe in it. I'm, I'm atheist, right? Or to the other extreme, people are searching for spirituality, right? Whether it's reading books, whether it's smudging, whether it's doing all kinds of things, getting back and maybe in tune with traditional African spirituality. Um, and so just opening it up to you all, if someone comes to you and says, I don't believe in God, right? Like, I don't want to talk about it. And they're also showing signs of maybe hopelessness, right? Some of the things that, that, that we understand that spirituality can kind of influence or to inform. How have you found working with those individuals that just present with no spiritual foundation or no spiritual interest at all? Well, I've only had a few, to be honest with you, um, in the particular field that I'm in, um, where it was mentioned to me. Um, but I do find uh, that it's a two-way street, right? So sometimes when that's mentioned to me, in the very few times that it has been mentioned, um, it is a mechanism to push me away. Um, and it's, it's thrown out there to see if it will rattle me, um, to see if it will bother me, um, to see if it will give uh, 
uh, response that they want so they can stay in um, whatever decision-making posture that they're in, right? Uh, the other the other way was, again, as Owen said earlier, I mean, I found them to have a higher moral code, so to speak, than those who say that they are spiritual um, and that they followed certain things, although they didn't want to kind of put a name on uh, any particular being or any particular higher power um, that gave them insight. Uh, and in both cases, you know, I saw it for what it was um, because I didn't ask to get that information. Um, that kind of made me uh, more open to understand where they're coming from with it in both cases, right? Um, and able for me to stay um, in a situation where I can say, okay, and I understand that. Um, and so let's talk about some other things at this particular point. So that, that's been my experience. Okay. For me, I, my goal is always to try and empower clients, empower people to make um, informed and healthy decisions for themselves. And so when people present with a certain belief system, and in this particular episode, we're talking about spirituality and religiosity. And my thing is, let's, let's, let's backtrack. Let's figure out, you know, how long that's been in play. Um, let's figure out when things change. Um, if there's any association with hurt and pain, let's, mm-hmm. let's figure out, let's figure out if, if the disapp- there's disappointment in, in under, underneath that, if we, if we pa- unpack it a little bit, or let's figure out if it was cultural. And so where I go with it is about the focus of empowerment. And so, okay. Whatever you don't or do believe in, I do recognize that you also are part of, and I will say this because we're here, you're part of the United States culture. And, mm. and if you're part of the United States culture, you're going to subscribe to Christian values because that's how it's designed, whether you want to or not. And so just by you recognizing the calendar year. Yeah. So because of this, this these things, you know, I began to help people start to navigate and talk about, well, how do you negotiate these these belief systems in a culture that expects you mm. to behave in a certain way if you want to reap the benefits? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, uh, a term we learned a long time ago, Anglo conformity, this, this desire to have everything operate in dominant white culture regardless of your own ethnic background, your own belief system, you know, that's a real thing for people have to negotiate um, no matter what ethnicity you are, you know? And so when we talk about white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, you know, that's what the culture was built off of. Right. And so that, that to me has been a thing of not even a distraction. It's been okay. Let's dig in. Let's 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 start to unpack it. Let's figure out how you can navigate with that belief system. What are what are you holding on to? Uh, Jeremy mentioned something about hopelessness. Like, where did the hopelessness come from? Mm-hmm. Like, how have you been feeling like that? And so, you know, that that is an important pa- part of dealing with people who come in and present a particular way. I find that most of the time when people come in, their presentation is somewhat related to the deeper issue. But not not nearly the deeper issue. Yeah, yeah, and 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 
there's this there's this term cultural fragmentation, spiritual fragmentation. Warren, you were speaking a little while ago about this Anglo-Saxon conformity, right? And we know how this intersectionality of capitalism, living in a material world, living in a Western-dominated Eurocentric, American Eurocentric worldview, um, and how it has been impactful, oppressive to Black and Indigenous people from the days that, that the Europeans traveled off their own continent, right? And so... I guess the question that I'm trying to ask is how, how is it that we can care, right? Practice this caring profession, right? And see each other's humanity, right? And not even go into with some clients, this issue of spirituality. What, what I mean by that is that, and, and maybe I'm projecting because my issue is I look at the work that we do as a sacred practice, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? definitely. Caring about other people, working with other people, serving humanity, right, is part of, of my practice, right? Um, and so when we're looking at oppressed folks that, that might be buying into this Anglo conformity, mm-hmm. right, Um to me, it breeds this pathological fragmentation. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a stranger to myself, so to speak. What are your thoughts on that? It's, I don't know, Rob. You want me to jump in, or you want me to go? You could go, but I, I you know, this is touching home right now, so I'm a, I'm a whole mind because <laughs> I got and so. Some. And so we we have a mission in our profession, right, to serve and support disenfranchised populations. We have a mission to um, empower. Empower is, is not a position of neutrality. And so mm. you have to be willing to take risks like your clients are willing to take risks with you. Um, and so when it comes to the, the notion of, you know, let's t- talk about basic principle of cognitive behavioral therapy, challenging faulty thoughts. You mm. you gotta you gotta establish a baseline of thoughts before you can determine whether it's faulty or not, and and so what what you're doing is you're placing their their verbal language and what they're saying, you're placing that in the same context as their story, and if they're not aligning, then you know that there's something that they're having turmoil with, and that's usually. Some of that that anxiety that Jeremy kind of alluded to that I think we have to be uh, hypersensitive to this this Anglo conformity, this um, need to um, and we'll talk. I, I know on agenda we'll talk about Juneteenth in a little bit, but we this need to uh, have duality in how we're processing information as facts and and, and fiction and and perspective. And so what I would say to that specifically is that you know. It's a learning process for me, the clinician, just like it's a learning process for the client. We're joining together. They're teaching me. Energy is circular. Mm-hmm. So it's not me talking at them. I'm learning as a, and we're learning each other. And so to me, it is one of those things that maybe they pick up on it. I have some very in-depth clients and, and, and students, for that matter, that will pick up on it before I do and bring it to the table. And I will say, yeah, uh, that's right. That. That, that feels like you're really on point. And so what I do is I challenge it all. 
we challenge it all. Let's put it all on the table. Let's challenge it all. Because my goal is I want you to leave in a better place than when you came in here. And if there's some confusion, we got to address that confusion. Jerm, <laughs> mine's is personal. Okay. And let me tell you why mine's is personal. I have, a, I have six children, as I mentioned. Um, one of my sons is a genius, period. Um, his Anglo conformity, I just learned that word today. So listeners, if you just learned, don't feel some kind of way. I had to look it up too. Like, wait a minute. Um, but, but that is my son. Uh, and he has been afforded because of his um, ability to go to some schools that are all white, um, both in middle school, high school, and now college. Um, his path uh, is different from mine's. Um, and I went to black schools, public schools, uh, as well as all black colleges. Um, who came from that strength background. Um, we have clashes all the time uh, about his conformity because I don't want him to lose his identity. Um, and so this is personal for me uh, mm -hmm. because as Oren said, I'm also learning um, that he has at an early age, I wanna say the fourth grade, has decided to beat the system by doing what the system says you should do and then surpassing it. And where I have decided that, okay, my journey was, this is the system, I don't necessarily want to do it. How can I find a way to get around it, right? And so in bringing back spirituality and in talking about these things, um, my youngest son is now taking a different path um, and he chooses to go to an HBCU. This was his choice. Um, and because he has a need at this particular point to find himself. Um, and when we're talking about spirituality, we're talking about people who are trying to find themselves through whatever it is that they're reaching out for or to, or to follow um, or to create within their sphere, right, of learning um, and, and learning themselves. And so there's two different dualities, as Orange just said, and you have me in the middle. Um, and I just hope that our listeners take from this conversation that you know, you have to be open, uh, even though some of these things, as Orange said earlier, and you, Jeremy, like you don't, you don't agree with. But that doesn't mean that you can't listen and learn from it, right? And so, again, it, you know, th that's my struggle. It'll continue to be my struggle um, because, like as I said, my son, he decided that this is what he's going to do and beat the system in that way. Um, and so. But what do you do at this particular point? But learn and love and 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 move forward. And for our listener audience, let me say this: I know the son, and I've never seen anybody academically excel like him before. Oh wow! Never. Yep. Yep. Once again, you're tuned in to the Unicorns Couch. We welcome your feedback. We welcome your input. Um, you can reach us by email. Send an email in um, unicornscouch at gmail.com. You're, you're tuned in to the brother Oren Howard, brother Rob Bacon. I am the host for this week, uh, Jeremy Darden. So so once again, we thank you for for, for tuning in and, 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 and um, catching up with us. Right. Um, so so if we may, then not to to 
you know, we live in a material centered world. I don't know if that's really doubted or debated very much. Um, as helping professionals, we don't necessarily get paid a whole hell of a lot, right? Some of us are, are, are providing care and struggling maybe to provide for our own families. Um, in terms of just how did you get into this field and, and, and what did, um, I, I, I guess, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, how did you get into the field and, and, and materially, what does it offer you? Right. If you don't mind speaking on that. Yeah. Um, I will say that I had this experience. I went to Howard University for my first master's degree and uh, and I was determined. Um, I was I was there around the time of the Million Man March. I was there, um, you know, um, and I was heavy into connecting us to our community and I was determined to offer services at a reasonable price at the same quality as some of the best. That was my big thing. That was my pitch. And, and that's what I did. Um, I had a professor once tell me that, you know, you can make money in this business. But in my mind, I was like, oh, well, money's going to come. I'm just going to commit to the community and watch it manifest and, and, and play itself out. And this person actually worked in finance because I had a contract with the court system, called me and said, you offer a rate that's so low that people are questioning the quality of your, of your service. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that was, I can't remember the year it was, it was in the 90s, but that was the first time that I realized that, you know, this wasn't serving my clients well and it wasn't serving me well as, uh, as well. Um, I'm going to hustle, I'm going to grind. I got into this business because it was a calling, not because it was something that I was super passionate about. It became my passion because it was a calling. Um, it, and I decided that when I got into this profession, I was going to make money. And that commitment to make money um, involved me offering quality programming, quality services, and doing it to the best of my abilities. And I haven't turned back since. And what I teach students that come in or new therapists that come in is like, yeah, go ahead and make that money. Um, come up with some some innovative product. Figure out how you can get out of the business of every time you talk, you're making money. Figure out a way to not talk and make money um, and all those kind of things. But materially, I would say that um, it's not as important as 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 it is that I can sustain a lifestyle that's that's conducive for me and my family. And that 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 was my goal. And I've been fortunate enough to be able to be somewhat successful in this business. Um, it's not over. So I don't know how successful I can be. I would love to open up three um, private practices, one in my hometown of Philadelphia, one here where I am now and maybe one in Baltimore or some other place or North Carolina. I don't know. But but that is the goal. And so. That's how my process went. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mine's a little different. Um, I need this money, Jeremy. I told you I got six kids. I got, heard you. I got a wife, man. They killing me over here. You hear me? <laughs> killing me. Um, no, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, my mother is in this profession. Um, my mother has had clients. Um, we have sat in the back of her classes when she went to Loyola uh, here on Charles Street in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, we have fallen asleep in the bed with her when we were growing up as she was studying. Um, and this is not something that I wanted to do at all. 
um, specifically with the particular job that I'm in now. Um, I still have a reverence against um, police officers um, and uh, probation officers, the court system, the judicial system, all of it. Um, but I have at this particular point in my life uh, gotten paid, not materialistically, uh, but spiritually for what I do. Um, it only takes one kid uh, every year, and I always get three or four that touch me in my soul, um, that I say something to them and they, they listen. Um, and so because of that, um, I, I never really looked at it that way. Now, listen, I got a bad habit, if anybody knows me, okay? I love to shop, and I did a lot of, uh, I worked at a lot of retail agencies and things of that nature uh, before I, I, I came back to doing what naturally comes easy for me. Um, and it's fulfilling for me. Um, so, you know, that's that's where I'm at with this right now. Um, I don't know. I am going to get some more schooling under my belt. Um, I do wish to be in a position that you both are in and have clients and hang my shingle out of the door. Um, but that is in the latter part of my life. I think I put a big portion of the middle part of my life to making sure that my children um, are going to be set on a path of success and I'm there. Um, I'm now in the transition with my wife about what, what do we do next? Um, but I already told her I'm not getting out of this profession. It just gives me too much. Um, and again, spiritually, um, the money is okay. But again, I live in Baltimore and I travel to DC uh, because the pay is much different. Um, there's been some stories that I could tell you about what I was offered um, that couldn't pay the rent yeah. uh, in my hometown, and it crushes me. Um, but at the same time, there is a need in D.C., and I fell in love with D.C. and the kids in D.C., and, and so I don't mind taking that hour ride uh, to and from work um, and have been doing that for the last whew, 12, maybe 15 years now. Oh, so... Uh, that, that's where I'm at with it. Don't want to belabor the point. You know, I mean, that, you know, that's what drew me. It definitely wasn't the money, if that's what you're asking. Yeah. Yeah. And what I'm hearing from from both of you is in, in your own words, just really speaking to a deep concern for and a deep commitment to the collective well-being. Right. Mm -hmm. Rob, you had mentioned about just what that is, what that feeling is when you touch another human being, right? When, when that connection is made, right? When, when, when that light bulb, so to speak, is is, is turned on or, or amplified, right? Orin, you had spoken a little while ago about just, you, you had a calling, right? And here you are answering the calling, right? Um, it, it also reminds me of, of one of my favorite writers and, and one of my favorite books um, ever is, is Khalil Gibran and the Prophet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, part of that is, um, you know, he, he lets us know that you give little when you give of your possessions. It's when you give of yourself that you truly give. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, and 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 I see so many providers that are either working two or three jobs because they have to survive. They have to eat. Right. Or because maybe they have some 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 spending habits or their lifestyle aspirations of their own. And whether it's that they're getting burnt out or they almost become um, uh, leeching off of the clients that we serve because they're trying to get that money. Right. Um, and, and doing the work. And it really is a disservice on, on so many levels because these 
are folks that might have also had a calling, right? They may have also had that connection with their clients. And then somewhere along the way, either because of desperation or, or some other reason, they might get off track, right? And so what I wanted to, and, and coming into this episode tonight, was really just try and not have this conflict between the spiritual and material, but really see where it balances, right? Mm. Because we have to live, we have to eat. Warren, you had taught me at an at a, um, earlier age, you know, serve enough clients, make enough money so that if there are clients that come your way that can't afford the care, that might not have insurance or that need some volunteer or some pro bono work, you have that cushion already built into the, to, to, to the, to the practice of the business so that we can see folks that are in need to be seen but might not have the resources to, to, to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead. You want to speak well, on that? I had a question for you, Jeremy, because yeah. you, you, you have a very unique situation where you have a partner that shares a similar vision in terms of mm-hmm. serving the people and serving the community. Mm-hmm. What, what kind of led you to, to get on this page and walk away from basically y'all were making nice money out in a uh, corporate world doing this work to, to walking away from it and doing your own business? Yeah. Well, um, well, and, and, and thank you for that, because I, I usually whenever I'm doing any trainings or, or any kind of talks, um, I, I let folks know off the top that I wouldn't be where I am if it weren't for my, 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 my partner and my wife, um, Cortina, who handles a lot of the business side, but then also just um, helps with the visionary um, actualization. So um, so speaking for myself and then also a little bit of her, because we've, we've talked on this over the years, but um, just really really kind of getting um, disenchanted and disillusioned with um, corporate healthcare, right? And then also beyond that, learning and growing um, to a point where it wasn't so much about being disillusioned over time. It was just a matter of it wasn't working. It wasn't working for me personally. It wasn't working for me professionally. And I saw in many cases it wasn't working to the degree that I thought that we could be of help and of empowerment to the clients that we serve. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, so it was just a matter of banging my head against that wall year after year after year, um, working in a number of, of you know, corporate places here in Baltimore and um, and just, you know, finally getting the courage to step out and to try something. I didn't go to business school, went to social work school. Right. And so just kind of learning the bumps on, on the road. But, yeah, it's a shared vision between uh, my wife and I. And um, we're still learning as we go. But it is a unique situation. Going back to something you had said earlier, Rob, about um, your aspiration to hang that shingle. Right. Um, I admire and I encourage folks to be self-sufficient, right, to be empowered. And but then also just recognizing that for those that are working for an employer. Right. Um, Still making that connection, still seeking and reaching those clients. Right. Because the clients are coming to the to the big um, you know, providers, the Hopkins, the University of Maryland, these other, you know, um, kinds of, of, of places. And so we need folks in those uh, places also that can reach um, clients as they come through the door seeking out help. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Um, so once again, you're tuned into the Unicorns Couch. Please send us your email, unicornscouch at gmail.com. We welcome your input and your feedback. Um, today is a very special day. Um, today is, is, is a day that we wanted to at least, um, 
you know, speak on and 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 give um, hear, hear hear your thoughts on um, just Juneteenth and and what has it meant to you, and especially in this day and and and, and time of so many things changing in in, in society. So, um, feel free if if you don't mind. What's your take on on Juneteenth and how it's being uh, actualized today? Go ahead. Um, wow. Well, let's just say that uh, Juneteenth has a special meaning uh, in today's time uh, with what's going on. Okay. Um, and I, I've known about Juneteenth, like I said earlier, I went to uh, a small private black college. Um, so, you know, in my second year, uh, we were taught about Juneteenth, uh, Juneteenth excuse me. Um, so I don't want it to become Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday celebration again. I'm sorry. I just, I don't. Um, because I feel like uh, what the <laughs> powers, <coughs> excuse me, that be are getting ready to turn Juneteenth into another shopping day, right? Um, and another day, you know, I, I'm telling my colleagues, like, are you really, really fussing about having a day off um i mean let, let's look at this like you know everybody else in uh, the northern states were already free they had a head start and here we go again in society you know kind of pushing our people back again by not letting people in texas know right that hey by the way you're free um so that's my part on it, Jeremy. I'm, I'm kind of numb to it. I'm glad that we're celebrating it, um, that it's getting some attention. But again, I don't want it to be Black History Month. It's every, Black history should be everywhere. We're part of history, right? And it shouldn't be MLK Day. You know, shouldn't, we shouldn't be worrying about having the day off, right? We should really be celebrating it um, as any other day. Um, the last thing I want to say is, you know, in any other cultures or religions, I mean, do we talk about um, like there's a lot of Jewish holidays. Do we ever talk about them? Um, do we ever talk about their particular day or what have you, or Rosh Hashanah? Or what? How come these things are not as important to us as Americans as well? Um, if we are truly Americans, why are we now just focusing on Black Americans because of all the turmoil and the fact that we seemed at this particular point to be fed up? Oh, well, let's just dangle Juneteenth. I, you know, I don't I don't prescribe to that. So sorry, I don't want to be radicalized this podcast, but you know, like I don't, hey, like, you know, it's like I feel like they're just jumping on the bandwagon at this particular point. And last thing I wanted to say is, and I hit this with my kids this morning in a text, would we be talking about Juneteenth if you know we didn't have the George Floyd, the George Floyds, you know, and all of the other people who have passed because of police brutality? Will we be talking about it today? And that, that's what I hit him with this morning. Um, so I, I've, I've gotten back mixed reviews about it, but for the most part, everybody agreed with me. No, we wouldn't be. We wouldn't be. It would be June 19th. Mm. I, um, I have mixed feelings about today. Um, I, uh, I honor my ancestors that um, my family originates from South Carolina, Florida, um, Pennsylvania, New York. Um, but I, I honor my ancestors and what they had to endure and go through. But it's like living in parallel processes for me. And it, what I mean by that is on one level, the, the reality of 
like the war ended in 1863. Two years later, um, everybody gets the word. Then after that, people's response to it was to get angry and kill our ancestors and, and arrest our ancestors. So at, even after Juneteenth, um, Jim Crow became prominent. Black codes became prominent. And so it is like a tipping of the hat. Like we recognize that, you know, there was some technology going on. There was some deceit going on and we had to come down and fix that. And so we honor this day. And I celebrate this with my ancestors because that is a significant day for some. But the terror never stopped. And so I'm I'm mixed about it. Like, you know, I, I honor it. I honor every day that 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 speaks to the culture of people who look and and come from the same places that I come from. But I also have to say that it's also like you 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 wait and see because I, it's not enough. Juneteenth is not enough. And so I don't know, Jeremy, how you feel about it, but that, you know, that mix, that mixed feeling is pretty prominent for me. No, I, I, I appreciate that, man, because it, it, to me, it's a reminder that whatever freedom may have been granted or offered, it's been limited freedom at best, right? Just look at the 140 years that have followed, right? Um, and also, we're already seeing the co-opted appropriation that mm. is occurring by the hour, right? And so it's just that it's just that really, really big risk that um, that once mainstream America gets its get, get, gets its teeth into something, right? It will suck the blood out of it, right? And so my my encouragement is, you know, honor your elders, honor the ancestors, honor um, all of the sacrifices that have been made, the martyrs that have been made throughout the, the, the course of this, this country, right? Um, and yet we don't need one holiday or another to be able to do that. That can be a daily practice. That can be a ritual of return that we can do at any moment, right? Um, and so just tapping into the spirit of resistance, tapping into the spirit of liberation, um, tapping into the embodiment of just being, right? Just being healthy, being present. Um, and so, um, so yeah, just want to once again, just thank everybody for tuning in and um, thank you brothers. As, as we begin to wind down for today, any closing thoughts, any closing remarks or, or even just um, maybe just some 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 comments on maybe some 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 reading lists or some books or some resources that have helped you along the way in your own personal or professional development um, when it comes to spirituality and growth. So, uh, for me, I, you know, I keep a journal, um, a journal only for the books that I read because I can't I can't remember how impactful and how spiritual some of the books have. I would say, you know, some of the books weren't designed for spirituality um, purposes. They weren't written like that, but it had that that kind of feel for me, like the autobiography of Malcolm X, um, mm -hmm. to watch somebody go through the journey that he went through and come to a place in his life where he could actually support and, and help many people is important. And, 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 and I, I will say that, you know, 
I've been fortunate enough to keep a lot of these jewels and been able to use them in the field to help support other people. Um, one of one of my most recent books that I referred to people is The Alchemist by Paulo mm. Coelho. And mm-hmm. um, I, th- I hope I didn't jack up his name, but The Alchemist is a spiritual journey about finding your personal legend. Tiny Lucy Coates, Between the World and Me, I've assigned that over the last um, year um, for people to, to really be able to connect on, on a level that people are spiritually trying to connect and being a part of that process. And then there's been more traditional uh, books like um, The Celestine Prophecy by James Redfield, African Origins of the Major Western Religi- Religions by Yosef Benjakinen, um, the, the Message to the Black Man by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. I mean, yeah, by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Um, there's been so many books that I felt like have been really helpful. Um, uh, the Secret um, that 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 have been supportive for me and helping me understand people better, helping me understand myself better. Um, and I continue to keep adding on to those those books. What about you? Um, two things, uh, because there's too many books to mention at this particular point. One, um, I would suggest to our listeners, um, find some books, use this time, um, explore. Uh, so I'm back on my good eating ish. Um, and so I started to read how to eat to live book one and two by Elijah Muhammad. Um, I've been a vegetarian before, um, and now I'm getting back to it. Um, and then on a mental stance, um, I've been teaching my youngest son uh, this premise that it is a fine line between passion and anger. Um, and so uh, one of the books that I'm reading now and that I'm going over with him is called Mind Right, Navigating the Noise. That's by Kevin Stacy, um, And it just comes from a place of um, making sure that you understand uh, where your emotions should be, uh, but particularly uh, in a business realm. And since he's getting ready to go away to college for his first year, um, I had to teach him two things. One, um, is this college education going to be worth it? Yeah, I know that's another topic. And two, um, you got to understand that uh, you going to college is the business of you, right? And so you have to understand that your passion at this particular point um, needs to just be that, but walk that fine line because some people may look at that as being anger or you or you're angry. So those are just two of the things that I'm doing, you know, right now. I have some other books that's in the pipeline, um, and when I get them, I'm gonna shout them out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know Jeremy uh, gives us a lot of books. I just wanted to say that you know, two books that we always talk about and never really give it uh, uh, enough credit is we, the Bible itself and the Quran. And, you know, those are two um, books that we feel that we've talked about offline out of of shows that have been really instrumental in helping us get better understanding. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, um, you know, for me, um, you know, it all connects, meaning whether it's what we eat, the music that we listen to, just being outdoors in nature, just even having a passing conversation can have some very profound, um, you know, spiritual impact 
Right. And so I don't want to limit it to one thing or another. And I know you brothers haven't um, done so. And so I appreciate your input in in, 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 in building in the conversation. So um, so with that, we're going to be turning over to um, um, to episode three coming up next week. And uh, what do we got? Oren, you're hosting again next week. Yeah, we're going to jump into habits, routines and rituals for growth and healing. Um, I plan on challenging you brothers on some some concepts of, you know, being present, being aware and mm-hmm. how you're being able to to take that into a process that allows you to to build on your your muscle mass and your your brain mass and all those things. And so we'll get into that. Um, also want to say that um, this is season one, depending on how the feedback comes, we'll 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 start working on season two. Um, I'm super grateful that, um, Jeremy did such an excellent job hosting today. Um, you know, we already saw the production paperwork for Rob. Oh my goodness. All I can say is it's going to be, it's going to be a long day, but, um, if you want to reach out to us, look, we will respond to everything. Unicornscouts at gmail.com. We'll try and put it on the show. If it's something that we we can't put on the show, we'll respond. Specifically, we want this to be growth for us and you. You may have some information or some books that you may think um, add to the library, and I'm, I'm sure you do. You may have thoughts or concepts that we you wish we cover, and we want to be open to that. So we appreciate you, um, the audience, our listeners, and I just want to say thank you again. Rob, did you have anything that you wanted to say? Um, yeah, just one last thing. Um, I don't have to come to the podcast in any workout clothes or naked or anything next week, door, because okay, I, I don't think the listeners want to see or hear that. <laughs> um, so I, I'm excited at this particular point. I hope the listeners are too. Listen, you know, we've said it, we've said it, and we're gonna keep saying it. Um, if you have some questions, if you have some things, or maybe some topics or some books, you know, please give it to us. We're open. Um, we want to be here. We want to listen. Um, we also want to give input. So, you know, we're eager and ready, you know, to go. So give us whatever it is that you have. Uh, the last little thing um, I want to say is I appreciate you both, gentlemen. Um, I look forward to my Fridays uh, just for this particular moment, as I hope our listeners start to as well. Peace. And we got to end off with the host, just so that you know. Um, it usually takes us a day. We'll probably uh-huh. post sometime on Saturday. It'll be um, available um, on Saturdays every week. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm. And 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 my parting words is I'm gonna I'm gonna draw from the words and the spirit of um, my wife's mother who um, who passed on and joined the ancestors last year. She had a, a, a just a, a graceful presence in her, and she would always say as we were parting, "Be good to yourself and others." Mm. And so, in the spirit of Miss Linda Makel, I just want to share those with with you all. Um, just be good to yourself and others, man. Especially in these times, we we need goodness in in in, in the world. So. Um, so take that with you and share it as, as needed, man. So, so peace to one and all and love you guys. Peace on behalf of the Unicorns Couch. All right.